Good morning again to everybody. You can say good morning back. Good morning back. There you go. Uh, glad that everyone's here on this cold morning. And for those tuning in online, uh, it's really cold here. I don't know if it's cold where you are. Anybody up north, they're going, it's not cold. What are you talking about? Uh, but we're glad that uh, you're tuning in. Uh, this is Christ the Word Church, and my name is Patrick Cherry. I'm the pastor here at Christ the Word. And uh, we are on our last Sunday of the series we had here off Advent that led us into Christmas and now this new season of Epiphany. And this series we've been doing is Rebuilding Nativity. And we've actually had my personal nativity scene up here uh, helping us kind of walk through. We started with just the angel first. And anybody remember what we talked about when we talked about the angel? We talked about, we talked about my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs>
because I was trying to make a really important theological point that they weren't there yet. But now, we get to celebrate because as of yesterday, it's Epiphany, and they're there. So they finally arrived. It is complete. By the time everybody else has packed their Epiphany scenes away, our wise men actually just arrived. So we're happy that they're there. Uh, before we go any further and talk about this idea of Epiphany, let's go to God's prayer. So let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for who you are, that you love us, that you care for us, and we thank you for this season of Epiphany following Christmas. And we pray that as we worship together, we would be drawn closer into your presence, closer into your love, and gain more knowledge of your grace. And Lord, as we dig deeper into your scripture, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and silence any voice in us but your own. And Lord, I pray that as my words stray from yours, may they fall away and quickly be forgotten. But may your word, your truth, and your promise remain upon our hearts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the saints said, Amen. Amen. So yesterday was January 6th, correct? Mm -hmm. May 7th, yesterday was January 6th. And January 6th marks the official end of the Christmas season and the beginning of the season we call Epiphany. How many of you have ever grown up hearing about Epiphany? Anybody here? We have a few people. You know, growing up for me, actually, we didn't talk much about Epiphany. We spent a lot of time in church, but we never was really, maybe the pastor talked about it and I just wasn't listening. But we, we really didn't make a big deal out of this idea of Epiphany. See, Christmas is a 12-day celebration. That's where we get the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. It, doesn't, it isn't the 12 days leading up to Christmas. It's the 12 days starting on Christmas Day. And so, your true love gets to you on the 12th day of Christmas. And so, you have the 12 days of Christmas, and then it ends on the 13th day with this celebration called the Feast of Epiphany. This is when we acknowledge the arrival of the, the wise men, or here we say the magi, to visit the little child Jesus, which we would we gather from historical information was probably much later. Jesus was no longer an infant, probably a child by the time that they arrived. Following yonder star, were they following an actual star, or was it a moving light that God used? We don't know, but we know that the heavens themselves guided these men to Jesus. So what about epiphany? What does epiphany mean? When I say epiphany, what comes to mind? Reveal. Reveal. <laughs> light bulb. Light bulb. <laughs> Anybody else? We have an epiphany. I just want to make a sound effect. <laughs> you make sound effects from now on? Uh, no. No. <laughs> this is too much. So the word in Greek literally means to shine through. To shine through. Shining this, shining through. You mentioned the light bulb. Where do we even get the image of the light bulb? When someone has an epiphany, it's this idea of light shining through. Suddenly things are revealed. Suddenly we can see clearly. We understand. We're enlightened. Whereas Christmas really focuses on the humanity of Jesus. Him being born of a virgin. 
born this human child, crying baby. Epiphany is really about Jesus' divinity. That's why in some circles, Epiphany is even known as Christmas for the Gentiles. Because it's when they come to truly understand who this baby is. Christmas is for the believer. Epiphany is Christmas for the Gentiles. And this is highlighted with these magi, these men who were not Jews. They were men from the far east. We don't really know where. They were astrologers, astronomers, specializing in special or in the natural sciences. They were a special cast. They were the guys who were always starving, always looking to the sky, wondering what's going to happen, what's to be, and the sky itself foretold of the child that would be saved. This epiphany happens to these men first. Isn't it interesting that this Jewish Savior was missed by so many Jews, and yet it was Gentile star babies who came to the Christ child? Isn't it interesting that they are the ones that come to see the newborn? It's also interesting that in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is a group of readings that follows the liturgical year, follows the holidays, and uh, it's on a three-year cycle, it's interesting that here on Epiphany, they combine this Epiphany reading of the, the Magi with the reading of, guess who? John the Baptist. Isn't that interesting? You have three kings, as the song says, that we, we learned on Christmas Eve. They weren't really kings, they were magi, wise men. Uh, but then you have John the Baptist. So I want to read that passage uh, with you. So keep would you mind throwing that up on the screen? John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, because it was the style of it, and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Doesn't that sound great, kids? Who mm. wants to eat locusts and wild honey? And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days... Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and the voice came down from heaven, You are my beloved Son, you I am well pleased. Isn't it interesting that this is the passage that's paired with wise men? Why do you think? Makes sense that they would be here. Anybody? Did you have an epiphany problem during the reading? John was pagan, 
reconnecting and catching up, and it just amazed me how much has changed. Here we were sitting, watching the game, talking about old times, and kids are running all over the place because all of us are parents now. <coughs> In fact, two of our friends both have brand new infants, like within a month old or so. And so, and it's third kid from both. And so they're both looking at Kate and I going, all right, we have three kids. But just the excitement around the house and just thinking so much has changed when we're catching up on what, what have you been up to? You know, one of the couples are military families, so they've been all over traveling. And they're now back in Fayetteville, and close by, and we're loving it. We're just laughing at how our whole outlook on life has changed. You have a kid, and it changes, right? Kids change things. And our lives are completely different. Our, our aspirations, our hopes, our dreams are different. The way we live our life, everything we've been through, we are different. And I think every parent would tell you that you cannot have a kid and not be changed. You will be changed. Things happen. Big events happen in our lives, and we are changed. The birth of Jesus changes everything. Where we live. And take it a step further, we have moved past this human birth of Christmas to witness the glory of the shining truth of Jesus, of his true identity, of his true purpose on epiphany. Will we be changed by that? Will our eyes be open to the light? Are we moved by the power of Jesus, or are we simply too distracted? to be moved. And we've already moved our attention to the next thing. We're distracted people. So distracted. I'm extremely guilty of this. I don't know how many times Caleb go, were you even listening to me? Not what? Did she be guilty of it? We're so distracted. We miss so many things. It's not just distractions in the moment. It's not just the flickering screens, which can be extremely distracting. It's, we're distracted by things going on at work, things going on in our family, and it makes you wonder, have we even seen the bigger picture? How many of us struggle to see the bigger picture? We're so stuck in the everyday details that we miss the big picture. And preparing for this sermon, I ran across a very interesting TED Talk. Uh, by Steve Thompson, or Thomas, sorry, Steve Thomas. And the title of it was Have an Epiphany Every Day, something along those lines. And on this, which I, if you want to go back and look on our Facebook page, I actually posted it earlier this week. Steve has this radical belief that we should have an epiphany every single day. Now, this is a secular talk. But while that doesn't directly reference our faith, I think what Steve is saying can speak volumes to our life of faith. See, Steve hit a part of his life when he realized he had lived more years than he likely had years left to live. That changes your perspective, doesn't it? 
And he began looking at his life, wondering, what have I accomplished? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish? Our mortality can be a great motivating factor, is it not? And in his quest for meaning, he came across a powerful quote by Annie Dillard. And the quote is this, How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Read that. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Okay, so you're, you're, some people are thinking, well, okay, well, duh. Days add up to years, years add up to your life. But how often do we talk about the how we want to spend our lives, and then we look at how we spend our days, and there's no connection? Maybe, like me, you don't often look at how you're spending your day and thinking of how each of those days, each of those moments, each of those things you do stack up to be your life. It could be a sobering part of, of your life when you reach this point and you go, I thought I would have accomplished more of life. And so often, it's because we weren't. Either we said our expectations too high, and they were unrealistic, or we weren't paying attention to how those days up. How we are living right now, does it match up with who we want to be and what God has called us to do in the future? Is what we are doing now adding up to that? Because how many of the distractions we live through aren't taking us that way? How often do we take a path that's going the opposite direction of where we want to be? So Steve believes this is exactly why we need to have an epiphany every day. An epiphany being that moment you see and you understand things clearly. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could have an epiphany every day where we could see clearly how that day is matching up to stack up to the years, to the life that we want to live, but more importantly that we want than what we want to live, God has called us to be. And so he says that daily we must manage your meaning, is what he says. Manage your meaning. By that, he means spending time every day looking at what you want in your life, what you want your life to mean, and figuring out ways to contribute to that every single day. For him, he gets up early in the morning before everyone else is around. He meditates. He uses different things. He journals. He wrestles with the questions of, what, am I, what do I want to be? What do I want to accomplish? What impact do I want to have? And what can I do today, today, to help set me on that path? Are you managing your meaning? He shares these different practices, and then he seeks to have an epiphany, a moment of clarity, seeing clearly of understanding each and every day. I think Steve is really on to something, but I would take it a step further. To manage our meaning, we must understand our meaning. And what I mean by that is our meaning, deep down, doesn't come from our desires. It doesn't come from our passions, our drive, our talents, and our hopes. These can steer toward, these can help us steer toward meaning, but they are a byproduct of meaning, not meaning itself. Because where do we derive our meaning? Go ahead, say the church answer. 
Jesus. God gives us salvation. In fact, Scripture puts it beautifully to say that we are created in the very image of God. In theology, we call it the Imago Dei. You are created in the image of God. You are a reflection of the divine. Each and every one of us are a reflection of our eternal creator. That gives us meaning. Our meaning is found in Jesus. Our meaning is found in God. Our capacity to love is a dim reflection of the great love God has for us. Does this shape the way you use your days? How often do you contemplate the love and power of God? I'd say there's often many of us who don't consider. We, we get up, we have a cup of coffee, and we're already watching the news, and we're doing, and have we ever thought about the God of the universe and how he might compel us to live in that day? I'm guilty of this. I don't consider enough the power and the majesty and the love of God that is Christ Jesus coming to us. How does that change the way I live today? I agree with Steve that we should regularly manage our meaning, take time to understand who we are and who we are. Are we studying scripture on a regular basis? Are we spending time in prayer so that we might draw closer to our meaning? Are we gathering with other believers and friends to reflect upon our meaning? Do we consider how each day and every single moment is adding up to our lives? Friends, sure, Christmas has come and gone, and the decorations must return to the dusty boxes from which they came. But the meaning remains, and we are left with a choice. Will we be changed by it? Or as Isaiah 9, 2 says, People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. The light is shining and it's shining through. Friends, today seems like a great day for a pity. Will you see?